Thank you for like the three people that remember. <laughs> but we are starting. You talk about starting off in the, in the spot. Um, we're starting tonight with some of Jesus teaching. And Jesus is coming right at us tonight. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road on our walk with Christ. We have been traveling together. If you've been with us, and if you haven't, let me just do the previously on the well for you. All right? We spent the first two weeks of the well. We started at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in chapter 4, where we find Jesus saying at the very, uh, quoting the words of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, for the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news, and today is the day. Right? And Jesus' ministry starts with this huge moment of Jesus coming to embody all that is the lavish unearnable love of God. Jesus embodies that for us. And then we got to the second week. That was last week for those of you that were here with us. And Jesus does the most amazing thing. He says, I want you to do that too. Come follow me. And you're going to be what I am. And you're going to be to the world what I am to the world. Come follow me. I will make you like me which is this incredible invitation to embody the good news just the way Jesus embodies the good news. Tonight, in chapter 6, we get the content of that life. And it is an amazing thing that Jesus calls us to, and it is an astounding call. It is the first time that we actually get to hear Jesus teach in the Gospel of Luke. We've been told lots of times up to this point in the story that Jesus had been teaching, and when Jesus taught, it was powerful and amazing things happened, but we didn't actually hear what he had to say until this moment. I need to make a quick full disclosure statement about it first, though. And this is the full disclosure statement. If you are comfortable with the status quo of your life, if you're good with where things are right now and you don't want to have Jesus shake it up and just put it on your iPod because this is serious stuff because what Jesus says about the content of this new life that he is calling us to is a radical reorientation of our hearts around the heart that is centered on the heart of God you up for this here's where the words of King Luke chapter 6 Verses 27, if you want to follow along uh, in, your, in your Bible. 27 to 36. These are the words of King Jesus. To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Look, if someone comes and slaps you on the face, turn and give them the other cheek. And if someone takes the coat right off of your back, offer your shirt. Give to anyone who asks of you. And if someone comes and takes what belongs to you, don't ask for it back. Do to others what you would have them do to you. What credit is it to you to love those 
who love you. Even sinners, the most sinful person, loves those who love them. If you do good only to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the most sinful person does that. If you give only to those from whom you expect to receive something back, what credit is that to you? Even the most sinful person gives to those from whom they expect to receive something in return. Instead, love your enemies. Do good to them. Give without expecting to receive anything in return, because then your reward will be great. You will be called children of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Dang it! Don't you wish it wasn't? I wish this was the bonus question. Right? I mean, I want my relationship with God to be core curriculum. Right? I want the fact that I am chosen from the foundation of the world according to the scriptures. That the love that God has given me and redeemed me in his son Jesus Christ, I want to say thank you God for that. Praise you for that. I want that to be the core curriculum. But this business about how I relate to other people, I want that to be extra credit. Right? If you, you can do it if you want to, but if you don't do it, you don't lose anything. But in this passage, Jesus says that you can gauge the quality of our relationship with the Father with how we treat the people around us. Particularly those people we don't like. That's no wonder Jesus got into so much trouble. You go around telling people that, you know, really, unless you love your enemies, you really don't know God and know really what he's about. People are going to throw stuff at you for that. Right? This gets you into trouble. Do you think he really meant that? Let's look at this text together. I want to just simply apply the basic rules of good reading to the text. To, to the Bible story that we have today. Um, now, if you don't remember what the basic rules of good reading are, some of my elementary friends, elementary education friends in, in the room got to be able to help. Who are my elementary education friends? All right, all right. What are the five W's? Hit me with one. Oh, yeah, you're on the spot now. No? What? Math? The five? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not being clear. The five practices of good reading. They all have W's. Come on now. Where are my elementary friends? Who? Who, what, when, where, and why? Do we remember this? I know it's getting late already, all right? Y'all remember this? Who, what, where, when, why? And then there's that one extra one that, how, there we go. All right, we're simply going to apply those principles to the scriptures, which actually 
if you will just apply that to the scriptures as you read it, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can awaken you to all kinds of new insights into the scriptures just by applying this simple thing you learn in elementary school. So let's start with when and where. We're, at the, we're near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's in the Galilee region, which is in northern Palestine. Uh, if, you know, if Ben and Stace were here, they would no doubt have a map to show us exactly where it was. I'm, you know, I don't travel Palestine as much as them, so I'm just going to tell you it's in northern Palestine. And uh, that, as I mentioned before, this is the very first time we hear Jesus teach. So Luke is putting this in front of us to, un- to understand it and to grapple with it as Jesus' dissertation of what, who God is and what it means to be his child. That's the who, or excuse me, <laughs> that's the where and the when of the text. One more note about it, though, something that's really important is that Jesus has been embroiled in controversy since he started his ministry in chapter 4. And so, as we enter into this time of his teaching, he actually spends, we read just above this in chapter 6, that he spends the whole night in prayer. Now, we could sit there for a minute and wonder, huh, Jesus' ministry is really empowered by the Holy Spirit, um, and he spends a whole night in prayer before he goes and does a, a major thing, I wonder why sometimes our ministry is so impotent. Maybe we don't spend enough time in prayer. That's something we're going to take that up and we're going to put that on the shelf. We're not going to spend a lot of time with that tonight. Just something to to pick up on later and to wonder about. In the text that we're going to look at, Jesus is coming down the mountain. He's got his crew of his 12 disciples with him, his ministry team, and he looks out to the sea of people. Maybe some of you have been paying attention to what the Pope's been up to this week. You see these seas of people gathered. Think about that kind of a picture, gathered to hear Jesus and to be in his presence. And in verse 27 we read, Jesus says, to those who are listening to me. Which means there's probably some folks that are just there to check it out. They're just there to see. Jesus is doing amazing things, and they want to see what he's about. So there were some folks that are just checking it out. But Jesus' words are, to those of you who are listening to me, that is, those who want to know who I am and what I'm about. I'm going to make an assumption tonight that that's many of you in this room. That you're the ones that want to hear who Jesus is and what he's about and hear his words. To those of you who are listening to me, I say four things. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And the rest of verses 29 and 31 are Jesus giving really specific examples of what this looks like in real life. Someone hits you, just don't hit them back. Someone steals from you, just let them keep it. Here's a question I would ask of you guys. If Jesus were standing right here in the room tonight, what specific examples would he give us about what it means today to love your enemies, to pray for those who mistreat you, to bless those who curse you, and to do good to those who hate you? Let me just throw out a couple possibilities. Someone hacks your credit card. Find out if there's anything else they need. (laughs) Someone rips you on Facebook. Tell them how much you appreciate their ability to articulate their feelings. (laughs) 
Your roommate is borrowing clothes from you, borrowing clothes from you, but they never seem to come back. See if there's anything else she needs. Your girlfriend dumps you for one of your buddies. Congratulations, let me buy you guys dinner. This is crazy stuff that Jesus is putting in front of us. I remember the first time, 20 years ago, I remember the first time I heard this text. I became a Christian just about 20 years ago, but I started checking out church a little bit just before that, a youth group, and the youth pastor was talking about this text. And I remember just blurting out in the middle of this message, this is dumb. Like, nobody does this. It's foolishness, right? Except, except that Jesus did it. And Jesus knows something about being human. And he knows how crazy it is, the things that he's saying. How staggeringly difficult it is to even imagine this life. But Jesus isn't just talking about this because it's a nice idea. It's this great ideal about how life might work. Now, Jesus came to not just tell us about who God is, but to show us, to show us what that looks like. So the one who says to us, love your enemies, would be crucified to save his enemies. And the one who says to us, do good to those who hate you, is the one who healed the severed ear of the soldier who came to arrest him. And the one who says, bless those who curse you, would be cursed so that his accusers might be blessed. And the one who says, pray for those who mistreat you from the cross, would say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus doesn't teach us with his words only but also with his actions, with a radical orientation of life centered on the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is compassion. You read that in, we see that in verse 36, Jesus says, be compassionate as your Father is compassionate. This is the why section if you're following along on those kind of, with those notes. Compassion, in the uh, translation of the scriptures you have, compassion might be translated mercy uh, as well. But I find compassion just conjures up a different picture in my head. Uh, Maybe it does for you too. The Greek word used there is oiktirmon, and it's the exact same word in the Greek Old Testament that we read in Exodus 34 when God descends upon the mountain and he's going to give the people the covenant. This is who you are because this is who I am. And God says, this is who I am. I am the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is who I am. This is the heart of the Father. And Jesus comes and he says the same thing. Be compassionate. 
because that's who your father is. Show the world that you are the children of God by behaving like God. For us who have received the gracious compassion of Jesus Christ through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord, compassion is supposed to become our default setting. Dude, that's so hard. It's so much easier to just be angry, to be vengeful, even if we don't do it in our actions, to do it in our imaginations, to have fantasies about what we would say if we had that chance again. And yet, the call for us is to be compassionate because that is what you've received. So there's another question to wonder about. If compassion is the heart of God and it is the call to us from our Lord Jesus Christ, how is it that in popular perception, Christians have such a reputation for being angry and judgmental? And we can debate whether or not it's justified, whether the folks who kind of come up and hang out at the transitional links and shout about how everybody's going to hell and uh, do things like that are actually Christian. We could certainly have a conversation about that. But nonetheless, even taking out the exceptional things, the extreme things, at some level, we've, we miss the heart of God when it comes to being compassionate as our Father's compassionate. Do you feel that dissonance? I think it's a, in big part because compassion takes a lot of practice. It's like playing the guitar. No one's a natural at playing a guitar. Some people come at it better than others. Like some people pick it up and they understand it and it fits the rhythms a lot better than some of us that are just not that way. But just like learning to play the guitar, compassion, it just takes practice. Over and over again. Lots of failures Occasional victories, it hurts too. And then there's more practice. But what a great freedom to just admit we're not good at this. There's nothing about this that's natural. It's freedom to be able to say, Lord, I'm not good at this. I need you to teach me how to be compassionate. But just imagine what would happen if we did. Can you imagine what might happen at GVSU if we started a trend of radical compassion? What if we go out of our way to be generous to the people that live next door? Not because we want them to like us, right? Like, oh, I really want you to like me, so I'm going to do something nice for you. Not that. But because God is kind and compassionate. I mean, how awesome would it be if the reputation of Christians on this campus because of this community was that those Christians are a little weird. But man, they'll just give you the shirt off their back. Radical compassion. The New Testament scholar, someone that I appreciate a great deal, Uh, Tom Wright writes this about this text. Listen to these words. The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived 
was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Think of the best thing you can do for the worst person, and you can go ahead and do that. Think of what you'd really like someone to do for you, and do it for them. Think of the people to whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. This is crazy. But this is who God is. This is the person God is setting you free to be. As we continue on throughout this semester, we're going to be looking in real detail about what it means to be set free from sin, what it means to be set free from grudges, from shame, from anger. We're going to dive deep into the teachings of Jesus, but it starts here by you knowing and embracing this reality. When God looks at you, what he feels is compassion. So be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Compassionate towards your roommates. Compassionate towards your family. Compassionate towards those people across the hall who never turn on their stereo. Compassion to yourself. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. This is the heart of God. And it is what he longs for you to both receive and to give. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, your word is always a gift to us. We thank you for your teaching. Lord, but your word also always challenges us. Challenges us in ways that are so different than the status quo of our lives. For some of us, Lord, we hear these words and we say, there's no way. People start popping into our mind, God, and we say, I couldn't possibly be compassionate toward that person because of what they did to me. God, you know those words are true words. So we pray for the grace of the Holy Spirit to wash over those places and to mend the brokenness. And we pray, God, for the grace, the grace to put into practice this words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the grace to fail at it, to come back, to be made new again. Thank you for it. Fill us with your spirit now as we sing out our prayers to you. Hear those prayers. And work in us what is pleasing to you in this time. We pray that in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we all say together, amen.